I'll tell you, we got Aaron right over here, and he'll take care of it. We'll look into it on our. We'll look at it today. He's uh, the guy that set it all up. So you're asking the right time, the right person, at the right place. So I could speak to him. I'm gonna let me because I tried. I tried like 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 twice. I tried it two weeks ago and last week, and both times came up the same thing. I don't know. Okay, very good, Mertzeshem. I've made a note, and I've done it. Also, I almost forgot over here. J Root has come up with a fantastic magazine journal which is going to be coming out all the jroot speakers have written some article unfortunately i'm the only one that hasn't written anything just because of time wise of all the other things that i was doing but it's fantastic you can pick it up at all the local stores it will be all over in brooklyn and in lakewood Marzisham, muncie all those wonderful places all right so that is um the first that was the first thing Marzisham, we'll look into it that you should be able to download the audios. All right, what was the second point, Rabbi Levy, that you would like? Hello? Whoops. A parent to get to uh, get a 13-year-old kid to see a therapist, which means um, he went, uh, this kid needs help. He, he's a professional. And um, he, went to, he went to therapist once, and basically he came out, he left after 10 minutes. He got up and he's like, said there you're idiot whatever he said some bad words to him and he got up and left and the therapist like this guy needs a lot of help but the problem is that he doesn't want to hear about going to therapist again he doesn't like therapist he doesn't like going to help and besides that basically he needs help because his mother had in the macro so I like to him a big brother but he's a smart kid and when he knows someone's trying to help him he right away like and turns off so like he has a thing that if you want to be helped that means he has not need up. So basically, um, I know uh, I know this kid. I was a counselor in camp, and I'm gonna be taking him out tomorrow. Like just you know, hang out with him. And my goal is not to help him out. Cause I'm not a professional, but my goal is eventually, like I took like, a few times taking him out, maybe to start speaking to him about it and get him to convince him to go to see a therapist. So how do I go? Should I try to convince him? Is there any hope for it, or just wait and see what happens? Like, what should I do? Let me first let's let's take a step back. And before we answer your question, let's go into a 13-year-old mind. How do you think a 13-year-old kid feels? Well, let's make an assumption. When someone says, oh, you got issues, speak to a therapist. What does that person now, how does that person look at a therapist? Oh, I don't know. Let's make an assumption. If I tell you, Levy, you're not listening to your parents, you're not behaving in your you need to go to a therapist. And then the mother says it, and the father says it. And then the Rebbe might call up, or the teacher, let's assume, because it's a boy, he's saying a counselor. So let's say the Rebbe tells him, or the Rebbe calls up the parents saying, your son's got behavioral issues. And then he says, even your Rebbe called up, you have problems. Go to the therapist. If you were, if I tell you that, Levy, how would you feel about going to the therapist? That means that someone wrong with his kid, and he needs help, and, and he's, different than, he's different than everybody else. That's right. Now, what happens if your parents say, I can't handle you with sending you to a therapist. You don't behave, we'll send you to a therapist which many people do, they threaten it all the time. Then, when you got to send a kid to a therapist, how do you think the kid is going to react going to a therapist? Um, not good. Yeah, that's right. Therefore, what I tell all the 13-year-old or all the kids that come to me, that I got one session to prove to you or to get you interested, and I tell them openly, I'm a salesman now that you should want to come back. That's my first and only goal in the first session. Not to change the person not to attack the person, not to even tell them that they have an issue. 
And that's where it takes a lot of skill when I'm aware of what's going on. I do a lot of talking. The first session, I probably talk, the first, depending on the age, but the first 20 minutes or the first half hour out of 45. And it's all about salesmen that the kid should feel safe, that I'm not here to correct him or her. I'm not here to tell them what they're doing wrong. I'm not here for any of that. I'm actually right here to go into what do they want. Do they want to do better in sports? I'll try to give them whatever tips I know. Would they like to know how to do better at school without studying? I'll try to help them with that. I help going into their world. The younger the child, it might take several sessions before they're safe enough to go to the issue. And that's where, again, a therapist, where I'm just talking from my side, where we get abused, where parents go, he came to ready four times. Well, he's still not behaving well. And I'm going, well, I didn't even connect yet, if that's the issue. We need okay. to realize that it depends on what the situation is, depends how painful it is. That's step one. So now when you're talking about going to a therapist, don't mention it right away. Just ask them how good does it feel to talk to someone. What happens if I know a therapist that you can speak to? You might discuss it. What do you view of a therapist? What happens? You went to a therapist. You might have gone to a therapist that's very structured. And you got to sit down. you got to do this. You can't shake your leg. You can't do that. There are therapists that are very structured and they're excellent for different certain diagnoses. They might not be for different diagnoses. At the same I time, think the problem, yeah. No, go ahead. I think that the problem is that that, that he looks at it like is it like a like like a weird thing to do. That's where they want to go. But I try to tell him, try to explain to him that like everyone's doing these days and it's not weird at all and it's a very normal thing and no one will know about it. Or try to not do anything and just like let it go by itself. Let's take a step back. Who said no one will know? Maybe in their family they're all busy talking about it. Maybe they will say he's going to a therapist. That is an issue that I have with many people. Their mother might slip or father might slip or a grandparent knows and they might tell other cousins. That is an issue. You can't even reassure him something that you're not sure about. That's true. Um, now I'm saying these are all issues that make the therapist's job very, very difficult. Now, let's take it a step back. What happens if, unfortunately, the mother had cancer, but the father is someone that never goes for help, doesn't listen to anyone? And the no, that's not the case. That's the case. I know the parents. They went to therapists themselves, had to deal with this kid. They went to therapy just to know. They went to, to classes yeah. and to people just to know how to deal with this kid. Now, how I mean, has, now let's take a step back. Now, you're younger because you're a counselor, but when I've got parents coming in to me about children, one of the things they cannot stand when I do that is when I flip it onto them. Before I give you advice how to deal with your children, first, how's your shalom bias? How do you guys manage with other people? How are you with leadership? Are you a dictator? How's your anger? How's your anxiety? And the minute a parent tells me, oh, my husband yells all the time, I'm so nervous, I'm so anxious, I go, we're not here to talk about your kids yet. Your kids are second. First, we've got to get you in control over yourself. Then we will teach you leadership ability, how you can be on top of children. Half the time, those parents run so fast from my office, but at least it tells me I won't spend the time on the kid only to have it fall back. I get a person... No, this mother goes to... I mean, she's going to, even right now, she's going to the therapist, so for the past year, right? She, she knows that, you know, she has issues. She went to therapy, and she's getting a lot better. But, but it, now she's very normal. She's very normal health, and all the kids are, all the kids are very good, happy children. So she understands that it's hard to deal with this kid. Now you're saying that this kid needs to up, and she's not doing anything about it because she's really not messing around with him, but she doesn't know how to get him to go. So my real recommendation is for these parents to continue going to therapy. When a person has the inner strength, kids will always go. When that wife always tells me my husband will never go for therapy, there are miracles, I would say, in my office and in people 
<coughs> that work with women or husbands that are codependent and once the parent or the person gets strong it's amazing how things do change all I will tell them is if they're going to therapist for a year and things are changing in their house continue in the therapy session and their son will go you can well, you know, out. When I take it well, when I take him out tomorrow should, I mean the next couple of weeks should I discuss anything about it or should I just let, the, let, it, let, let, let it evolve let it grow talk, connect, how things in the house, what's going on, who can help you, what's out there. But don't push. Don't push an agenda. First, be there. I don't push an agenda in therapy, even though I see issues. Sometimes a client can go through an entire beginning, middle, and end session with me. Like we've done, their life has changed, and there's an issue that they don't see. I might not even discuss it. It's not my job to have an agenda. My job is for a person to come in to get better in where they are and what they are. Now, the thing is that this kid doesn't know that I know anything about it. Okay. So should I, like, like hint it out a little bit? Like, anything or? Just be there with the kid. When you're with a counselor, when you're a counselor with a kid and you're one-on-one, would you discuss what's going on, happy stuff, joking stuff, and also some personal stuff? Do the same. I, I wouldn't bring it up. I, I'll make you bring it up somehow. Yeah, so gentle. But your goal, let, let's clarify. Your goal is not to heal him, not to be his therapist. Your goal is to be like a big brother, it's called. Your goal is to be that caring place. If he doesn't want to go to a therapist, he has the place to speak to. He doesn't want to go, and he won't feel you have an agenda. You can clarify why he should, but you don't push. As a therapist, I allow my clients to go through pain, make painful choices. I know will hurt me as well because they're going to come back next week and be all upset. But that's part of the therapy process is allowing the growth to happen, including allowing myself to go through that. Allow process. What I'm saying is don't go with an agenda. My goal is from now till after Sukkot, I'll meet him twice a week, get him to a therapist. That's not your goal. That's his parents' agenda. Your agenda is to be a safe place for him to speak to. When he has that, he will accept your advice. He might, you might be able to encourage and give that little extra suggestion that might tip the balance, but you will not do that. That's not your job. It's the therapist. Yeah, okay, it's thank you. Yeah, it's the therapist's job that works with kids and teenagers to connect. You don't want to. There are just like there are medical psychiatrists that are adolescent means children, child, and adolescent psychiatrists, not adult psychiatrists. The same thing in therapy. You need a therapist that has experience working with children, a therapist that's experienced working with that adolescent with that teenage years. It's a different chush. It's a lot more patient. It's a, very different. My job is just to have fun with him and, you know, make him forget somebody that cares about him. That's right. And he'll open up. You can open up those subjects if you'd like, but don't feel it's your responsibility to pressure and to push it. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Levy, for being so amazing. And we are going to go to Goldie. Goldie, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hello. Um, I wanted to say, first of all, that this question I'm going to ask I just became so aware with everything, and that's why I'm asking this. That's why I'm clear enough to even have a question. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, so my question is, um, I'm married Russian for a few years already, and um, I've, uh, and I'm, I'm I feel very successful in many different parts in my life, but there's certain places where I feel very stuck, and I feel it comes from um, certain things in my past. Um, can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Yes, so far I just you wanted sound to make normal. sure. Yes, so far you sound very yes. normal. 
Yes. So um, my, I, the thing is that in, when I was in school as a girl, I was in a class where there were a few girls that were leaving the whole class. And um, basically, they were, they were leaving the whole class. a very extreme situation where a lot of girls were really looked down upon. And, I mean, they weren't even... They didn't. Even, they weren't even looked at like people. I mean, they felt like. So I was one of those girls. I really didn't feel like anything, and it was so bad that I didn't even realize what a bad situation it is because I thought this is who I am. Yes. That I'm not worth anything, and um, I don't have anything to offer. I didn't even feel like there's something wrong. I thought that's the fact. And then I went to seminary after I finished school. I went for two years away to seminary. And I still remember the first time coming into the, coming into the place and um, girls looking at me and listening to what I had to say. It was like a, a new thing to me. I didn't even think that um, such a thing is uh, possible. And um, I really grew a lot in seminary. And that's where I suddenly realized what I went in, that's when I realized I had had the problem in school. I had also there was a certain girl that was very talented in school, and um, I always felt a very big pressure from her. And I realized afterwards that really I think now I think that I had certain talents just as much as her. But because I was so pushed down, I I, I felt this. Um, I felt I didn't feel that I had those talents. So basically, now in my in my life, I'm very successful. Certain places, new places that I've I've grown and I feel um, achieved in my job and in certain things in my life. But then there's the other things that I feel very very um, stuck. Certain things like having a push to do things, and also going being around people that I even from my family past and everywhere around people that I was then in about the situation I was then in. And now I feel, when I'm next to them, I still feel this, um, this feeling, this inferior feeling that I'm not, that I'm not worth and I have to prove myself. And I really feel the worst part is that when I, I feel all my talents that I have, certain things I don't have a push to, to actually use my talents and to some things I could have make, maybe used to make money with it. And I just always feel like people have to push me into things that I don't have a push myself to do things. Okay. So, um, this question? is basically my question. I want to know if, if you think this is the actual cause and um, what I can do about it now. Well, before we give like quote-unquote diagnosis, what's the cause? Tell me all about your family. I didn't really want to go into too much exactly. into my family. Exactly. That's what I heard. <laughs> I heard the way you were not talking, so I would not yes. say the cause is only your class. What I would say is I it hear. might have reinforced with what was happening mm -hmm. in your childhood, in your house. So you might have your house issues. Reinforced again, by the way, there might be, do you have like maybe uh, playing, uh, I'm just hearing feedback. Do you have like the radio or something on the background? Like mm, no, it's, actually not, it's not even a loudspeaker. Oh, okay. So, all right, so let's just take this. Um, what I would tell you what happens is, and here's the beauty of life. The Rabbi puts us in the Matzev, or I should say we choose the Matzev, and we mm -hmm. grow up in that. Now we've got two choices to say, this is where I was stuck, this is what I was told, this is how I will remain, or I can realize that I can grow and I have the power to grow. 
That is the beauty mm -hmm. of the two brains. When I explain the right brain or the left brain or when we talk about the conscious or the subconscious, the beauty of the subconscious is that there's no getter, there's no limit. And that means that if you are, let's example, Rabbi Kiva, at 40 was Namarud's gummer that he had to learn the Aleph phase. If you believe by seeing a water drop on a rock and seeing it make a hole in it, and now his inspiration got turned on, wow, imagine what I can be. Nothing stands in your way. So I agree with you that your past affected you and the school affected mm -hmm. you. However, the more you're aware... I just want to add another thing that I've heard from a lot of other girls in the class that also feel that it's affected them now. So I We're not denying it was that. a very strong situation. I like am not denying extreme. that at all. I'm not denying mm -hmm. at all what happened. But you've got two choices. We can either stay down yes. or we can pick ourselves up. In fact, for those yeah. of you that don't know, we send every day a daily motivational tweet, or you can get it via email through my website on winnerformula.com. So today's tweet, today's message that went out was, everything is sta um, I just forgot it now. So if everything stands on the other side, oh, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Imagine there is a fence mm -hmm. called fear. All the hashpaz, tavis, or the rabbanishlam is sending us is on the other side of that. Are you going to have the strength to go over that, or won't you? That is what the question is. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. I don't doubt what you went through. Not at all. I don't doubt your past. Are you going to remain stuck? Okay, but I've been trying all the time. So well, is there anything that... What's the next step? Extra. You tell me. Let me push you. What do you think is the next step? Um, don't say therapist. Don't jump to therapist. Don't do that. <laughs> what's the next step? A coach, a friend. Step? Start taking steps. To buy a workbook. Make goals. This and that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I've tried all those things. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of talents. I feel I like. I have no idea what you've tried when you say I've tried things. I don't know how much no, you've done. No, actually, if you don't put myself into certain things, and at one point, I just dropped it. Notice that I said. I think it's because I'm, 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 I don't I've have enough self-esteem. I don't feel I've, like. Um, I've used the word goals, and have you had a goal where you had to stick to it? I've made myself goals, but I don't. I, Get all the way there. Then let's recognize and the next step is get a friend that will be on top of you. That's behavioral therapy. That is why in every Musser, in every Musser movement you have someone that's supposed to be on top of you. That's life coaches. A life coach is someone that's not your therapist. And so that's what I feel all the time. That I'm only getting things done when people actually stand on my head and push me to do things. Well, welcome to the world. How Stay can here. I get away that I can do something myself? So you want, to reach 80, you want to reach 80 years old at about the age of 20? No, I think I've been struggling with this already a long time. So So again, you want to reach 80 and It's not like I'm at the beginning stage. Okay, then you can either beat yourself up for what you can't do, or you could look at what you could do. Recognize yourself. I recognize my weaknesses. The problem is not that we have weaknesses. The problem is we don't want to acknowledge them and work with our weaknesses. Sounds like you want to be a perfectionist. I don't think so. There's just so many different things that I feel I can. I feel I can Goldie, sit at home one day and just feel stuck. Galdi, let's let's try it differently. We're going to be doing this differently. You've asked me a suggestion. Here's my suggestion: get a friend, yes. someone that is not your best friend. That's like mushy and cozy with you. You want a friend that mm -hmm. can be authoritative. You set your goals, and they got to follow up with you once a day or once every two or three days. Is it happening? And if not, they're supposed to yell at you. You said to do it. Stay up at night. 
That's why in colleges there are deadlines. That's why there are bechinus, and that's why there are tests. That's why the kolim now pay extra money. That's why you've got the famous Gemara test that's going around all over, and everyone is taking them. The goal is we need a deadline. The brain works with deadlines. Stop blaming yourself and start accepting yourself. You're a human being. You need deadlines. That's a fact of 90% of the world. 10% don't. You're beating yourself for not. My suggestion is get a friend, set a goal, set a deadline. No, you will probably work on it the last two nights before till who knows when. That is still normal. It's not things that I have to work on two nights before or not. It's, it's things that, certain things I have to really push myself out of my comfort zone, and that I find very hard. So you're enjoying to repeat yourself? <laughs> no. I, what is the no. answer that I've said? I'm sorry, but I'm sorry for being a little tough, uh -huh. but pick it. What no, I because I feel... I don't, I, I don't feel like... Goldie, Goldie, this is not therapy now. This is not therapy. You asked but, me a behavioral question, I'm giving you a behavioral answer. Mm -hmm. Behaviors now. So you say that's you, it. I you mean, want to discuss your emotions. You want to discuss how hard it is. You want to discuss everything else. Then we could go into your past. You want to clear up your past? That's months of work. No problem. You can do that. Simple answer. Accept limitations. You say as if I do it in a behavioral way, I can get out of that you cycle. Can. You know, out of that. success builds on success. Yes, that's the beauty. We tell mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. start. There are people that love wallowing in their emotions and in their past. I honestly mm -hmm. don't think you should be going to a therapist right now, in my opinion, that we're speaking. I think you need a little kick in the backside. Excuse me for being so blunt. Yeah. You need to get used yeah. to not being comfortable. You need to get used to having deadlines, and I'm not feeling it, and you do it anyhow. And many clients, mm -hmm. not many, but some clients, get that flavor of me. When I say now I am not the emotional subconscious therapist, now I'm being your behavioral therapist. I'm not your logic therapist we're discussing. I take the role. You need that. I don't feel you need a logical therapy. That's why I'm not doing that with you. I'm telling you, take behavior. Stop feeling mm -hmm. things. Start doing things. Set the goals. Have your friend pick goals. Make sure it's pushing you. It's out of your comfort zone. Not too far out of your comfort zone or you'll fall down. But it's mm -hmm. got to be out of your comfort zone. There's got to be deadlines. I hear. So you say that's the only uh, option. That, I'm not saying the only. That is a option. A I'll option. leave you with that one. Yes, Goldie. Mm -hmm. Thank you for calling in. Assuming Thank all you the way very from much. the UK. My pleasure. And Hatzlach and Aksiva Chasimatai. We are going to Bella. Bella, you're on the air with Mordechai. Oh, Bella. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem. What's your name? Um, Bella. Bella. Okay, you're on. Um, my question is, is that, um, okay, I've been in a certain job for a few years, and um, I kind of happened to find a different job, and I want to switch, and I don't know how to uh, say it to my to my bosses that I need to leave. Uh, I'm kind of like a people pleaser in a way. Yep. And <laughs> Welcome to the team. So I don't know, I don't know how to, uh, how to say it, and I've been getting a lot of anxiety <laughs> about yep. it. Can you give me any tips in a way? Well, first let, me, first let me tell you, I'm with you on the same issue. One of my hardest things to do is to set limits for people. And, to, and I feel bad for them because I feel the other person's pain or I put into myself or I imagine what the other person would feel if I was in that place. The funniest part of all, when I do that all in my head, or I should say when I used to do that, I found it interesting because if someone would tell me, you know something, I'm giving you two weeks notice and I'm leaving, I would be okay. 
or if someone tells me, you know something about friendship, I feel I would like to cut it in a healthy level within two weeks, okay. So I find it amazing that when I find it so hard to do to someone else, but when someone does it to me, I'm accepting. So amazing. When I got to tell a client, I'm sorry, I can't help you, but if a client tells me, you know I feel I say, okay, I accept it. So I wonder, first I'd like to take that to you. If your boss would tell you, I'm giving you two weeks notice, the company is changing or we need to, whatever it is, or someone's, we're getting a better offer for cheaper, whatever it should be, how would you feel if they would do that to you? Well, previously at the same place, they laid me off and they brought me back. But, sorry, um, how did so you handle it? What was your emotion when they said no? Um, I didn't have such a big problem about it. It was, a little hard. It was very hard because I was there for a couple of years. Um, but you, but, you know, I got to, I had to, it's really my choice, really. So, like, uh, I didn't have any choice. So, notice how your emotion, when that happened, you were able to manage it. Imagine a company, they feel the same way. So, first step for us to recognize is, when we make assumptions about other people's minds, that's what I realized from my experience, it's not real. Because it's our weakness that we're projecting how they will feel hurt because we are as if we're rejecting them. As if you're saying, I hate you guys and I'm leaving. And uh, when I'm, with the illustration I'm doing to prove it to you the other way is that if they would fire you and do it in a nice way and explain why, you might feel a little sad, but you won't feel so broken. So in your mind, you're going, they can't manage without me. They're going to close shop. They're going to have a fight. I'm the only one that makes shalom between the partners. Or I'm the only one that, whatever it should be, that works late at night and no one will do that. All that rationale that we do and they won't survive is all in our mind. It might be true, but it's very likely not. Step one. Now, step two is how do you tell someone that you would like to leave is usually with a gentleness saying, I appreciate that I've worked here for all these years. You thank them for what you've done, for what they've done and what you've gained. And then you go, but it's now time for me to move on. I've received a better offer, um, less hours a place where I can have more responsibility and it's time for me to grow. So I thank you for what you've done and if you do it on a normal way where you give them the two weeks notice or if they say I need a month and a half to get someone else, can you wait till I find someone? It's now Yom Tavim time so it's harder and you do that in a very respectful way. And you're able to let go that they will manage. There's part of the codependence, part of those that people always think for the others is there's a feeling that Unfortunately, we are the Rabbi Shalom's assistant. If we're not there, it won't happen. And the answer is every organization, every institution, every person has survived when someone has moved on. When Moshe Rabbeinu was niftik, Klal Yisrael has survived and grown through Yoshua Benun. And part of the process how the Rabbi Shalom made the world is that our leaders, people are nifter, and we will all, and then new people are found with strengths. So the goal is for you to find the strength to recognize that it is hard, and this is part of your work to work on, all those assumptions that you're making about them, 90% of them aren't true. And then when you quit, or when you're going to quit, you do it on a way that's a win-win situation for you and win for them. So I'm leaving because I've got a better job, easier hours, or mm -hmm. more responsibility, and I appreciate everything you've given me, and I am giving you two weeks' notice, a full week's notice, however it is. How does that um, sound? It sounds very good. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have another question. Go ahead. Okay. The twitching of the eye uh, have anything to do with um, stress or anxiety? It can many times. You first go to an eye doctor to check it out. Once they say it's stress and anxiety, then you deal with it. Mm. 
Uh-huh. Okay, thank you so much for your help. You're very welcome, Hatzlach, and good luck. And one thing I'd like you to know, the arrangement puts us every step, in my opinion, that we're meant to grow. Right. Meant to grow means we're meant to change roles. So if someone, for example, when I was a therapist and I had little kids at home, I was able to be more, de- I shouldn't say more devoted, I was able to spend more time in the evening. As I'm getting older, as I'm ch- doing more projects in other places, I am not that available for clients. As I am now more tired from different things I'm doing, I might need to balance it in other areas. I need now more time for myself. Just today, before I yeah. came to the studio, I came 15 minutes early and I just sat outside. It's the first time I've done that. I think since I'm on a year and a half, I just needed 10, 15 minutes just to relax, sitting in the sun on Ocean Parkway over here where you got the, you know, the tree with that little bit of shade, and it was just great. So we need to change. As we get older, life changes, responsibilities are meant to change. And we need to learn to be flexible with changes. The people that are rigid are unfortunately where anxiety and stress come in. Right. All right? Yes. I have a question, if you can kind of... um I want to give away some uh, Siddur that I bought uh, by mistake, and it happened to be Sephard for, it's for Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you know, um, do you know anybody that would need it? Say that one more time, I didn't hear. I have bought a art scroll Sephard right. Siddur, thinking it was Sephardi, and I never ended up returning it. I want to give it to somebody. Well, I, I don't know anyone offhand. Oh. Um, we got over here someone called today. Well, I'll see what it is. All right, let's see. Oh, there is a program today on Tuesday between 5 and 6 p.m. on the Chesed Hour called the same number, and you can donate it. There's a Chesed Hour, and they'll do that. They'll take that. There could be someone that will need it. Okay, all right. Thank My you so much. My other recommendation is, just in case it's not, in case they don't pick up or you don't call, just go to any Svard shul and flatbush i'm making that assumption and and let's see you know they might be able to just just speak to the rabbi to the shamans or just putting it you know donated and every shul can always use it you know okay thank you so much you're very welcome and keep on growing brindy you're on the air with mordechai hi um i are you, you hear me I hear you loud and clear. Yeah. And also, yeah. for those that would like to call in, the number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. I'm looking forward to taking your question or comment. Yes, Brandy, we're with yeah. you. Um, before I ask the question, I, um, uh, I don't know if you remember, I called in in the beginning of the summer. I with uh, my child that's uh, Stephanie's child. Yes, remind me. Um, I remember the voice. I remember, give me a little bit more detail, please. Um, I, I, so I wanted to... Uh, you, didn't, you couldn't go away, and you were debating if you go away, what will happen? And your in-laws... No, no, no. No, no. okay, then remind me what the question No, was. I just asked um, how I can... Because I was feeling very stressed, and, and he went to camp, and I asked what, can, what I can do that when he comes back, I should be more relaxed. Okay, so I, I thought it was the same question I was referring to. Yeah, I said uh, that you got to take time for yourself and know that yeah. you can let your kids go to your in-laws or wherever, to your parents, yeah. and to take a little self-care. Yes. But you told me then also that I should go, I should try, uh, go for help. And I, I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't know where to turn. I, I don't live in the U.S. and I have no clue in like, where to start looking. 
First recommendation is coal relief. They're my even one. even out in the air. Yeah, coal relief and Echo. They all have access. They know someone somewhere. That's what they do all day. Echo is also a fantastic, wonderful organization. And but, would you have the number of hands? No, I don't. But it's a very simple uh -huh. Google search. And just okay. the relief for Echo. There are two wonderful okay. organizations. Get help. And again, remember, the one part I said is get help. The other parts I recommended was for you to actually get your special needs child to your in-laws, take a day off. Yeah. Take a little self-care. Go for a walk an hour without your cell phone, without anything. Just have your head clear. Take care of yourself. Yeah. All right. Okay, so my question for today is like this. Um, I'm going to, like, illustrate to you two... Um, because you understand the question. Okay, so, um, um, one day I forgot to, my one of the medications of my son um, used up and I forgot to order more. And I reminded myself at night when all the pharmacies um, were closed and I couldn't find them in, in, in anywhere. So I ended up calling the neurologist on calling my son's um, hospital and, and they got me some from the hospital. And my mother said, they're going to think that you're a negligent mother. They're going to call um, child abuse on you. That's one scenario. And the other one was my my son had a, a little bruise on his foot that was infected. And I called the fellow because I didn't like the way it looked. And they told me definitely I should go and check it out right away. And, when the, and then when my mother heard that I went into the, into the emergency, she said, why do you call Sola? You only went to the hospital because you wanted attention. Okay, I hear both examples. What is your question? Yeah. What, when I he hear those type of um, um, comments, it really hurts me. Yes. And I don't know how to act. Like, my friend, my friend already, like, I told, I told my friend about it, and she made a whole joke out of it, like, I said, oh, I forgot to give my, my child an antibiotic. She says, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's the uh, child in the phone number? But on jokes aside, it, it really hurts me when, when she says those things. Yeah. It hurts me to the, in my heart. Yeah, that makes sense, and it really does. That's the power of parents. So what is your question? I'm validating. I hear a statement, and I'm validating your feeling. You are very what? No, because what can I do when, when, when I hear those type of comments? It shouldn't hurt me so much. Right. So there's a lot involved over here, and a lot of Mrs. Kibbutz of AIM can be involved or being over, but let's focus on your part. Your part is, and I'd like to discuss this to many people, and I've had a client which felt comfortable with me sharing it, and it goes as follows. When we expect our parents to be perfect, our parents that can't make mistakes, then we are going to feel hurt when they make mistakes. If we can allow our parents to make mistakes and accept their good parts, so is your mother 80% great to you? Maybe more. <laughs> Excellent. So is she allowed to be a human that we can accept that she's allowed to have one or two negative parts to her? Okay. I mean, let's put it this way, if the Rabbi Shalem is keeping her alive, there's an assumption she still has what to grow. So maybe you're aware of that area where she's still got to work on. Maybe her way of speaking, maybe her, maybe her criticism, maybe her fears or her anxieties, whatever that should be. 
but can we focus, can you tell me the big, higher than 80% to 90%, let's say, of her strengths? Tell me some of her strengths. Um, she's very giving. She always cares about me and my kids. Um, um, I, I know that um, my kids are always on her mind. Um, she loves you. Yeah, she loves me. She um, loves for you. She's of happy course. you're successful. Of course. She'll make you food and suppers if that's needed at times. Not always. Not Okay, not that. Will she give you advice if you need any? Yes, sure. Yes. Will she be available if you need something? Most of the time. Okay. So if everyone's got to have a chasarin, will you accept your mother if that is her chasarin? That sometimes when it comes to medical areas, she's afraid of child abuse for whatever reason of the child of child services? Okay, but then on the other side, when I, when I thought I have to go, she said the opposite. I went because I wanted attention. So again, anything about medical, is it accepted? Can you accept that when it has to do with medical issues, your mother has an issue with that? Can we allow her to be human and to have that chasarin? Remember, she's going to have to have a chasarin. If she's alive, she's got to have a chasarin. Can we allow people to have chasarinus? Yes, I, I can allow it, but... That's what my mind is going to tell me, but my heart says differently. Now your it's heart, still going to hurt me. You want to get your heart strong enough that your mother's allowed to have a chasarin and say that it shouldn't affect you. That's inner work. Inner work is how can you protect yourself that if you know, if you open up to your mother about a medical issue, she will give you anxiety. You've got several choices. Discuss it with her, not discuss it with her. Prepare yourself in advance so you'll say it and then move the phone away when whatever comment she just says oh, won't affect you. Work on yourself for you to be more confident that people can say negative comments and it shouldn't affect you. These are so many options that you've got. You can tell her, Ma, I'll tell you something, but please don't give me any comment. I'm just sharing it. At that time, when I, when I went to the emergency, I, said, I told myself I'm not going to tell her that I'm going. But she had a way to find out. She called up. She, she said, can I talk to your wife? My husband said, she's not here. Oh, she's in the hospital? Again. Of course my husband said, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go to the next step. So there's a lot more that's needed. So I'm giving you the tools. Yeah. Now what you're saying is if you cannot implement the tools, that's where yeah. therapy comes in. That's where it takes months of therapy. If it's not mm -hmm. a little. Those, I hear your attachment. No, it's your mother's allowed to say and then call and then you don't pick up. There are lots of choices, but I hear... Oh, but, but if I don't pick up, then, I, then I there's a whole... I answer. Let me tell you. Then she yes, upset yes. why you didn't pick up and then you're going to feel like yeah, a yeah, yeah. person. No, that's your codependence. When I say the two number one diagnoses in the firm world, number one is perfectionist, number two is codependence, we see yes. clearly what your issue is. And that's why I'm saying it's months of work. That's months of going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I just want you to understand, you're not able to, you're not strong enough, not your mother, you are not strong enough to have the healthy balance. You're not strong enough to accept your mother's mylas and her couple of chasroinas. You are the one that's trapped in her few chasroinas. Mm -hmm. That is codependence, and that's your work, not your mother's work. And mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to promote. When we have such issues in our family, unfortunately, when we blame parents, most of the time, when we're blaming our parents, the weakness is within us that we are still so attached. We don't feel safe letting them learn. We don't feel safe saying, okay, that's your issue now. 
So mm -hmm. I'm just giving that for awareness. Now my suggestion to you is that since you're not able to detach, since you're not able to say now is not a time that we're going to speak, since you're not able to say ma with all recovered again with respect, but about medical issues, I don't want to discuss that with you. You can mm -hmm. talk to the sisters, but not with me. Then that's something you got to learn to master. Mm -hmm. And of course, everything to do with parents or mitzvahs, kibbutz of aim, I always suggest call the rough first. Get the guidelines, exactly what you can and what you cannot say. I really wanted to say that at first. I had it in mind and then I did that. So I'm, I'm now, imagine you can rewind this and put it at the beginning. How to yes. actually deal with the implementation, you need the Rav just to make sure it's okay. I always work through the Rav's approval. However, mm -hmm. your inner work is where I feel you need the growth over there. So mm -hmm. again, call relief. Find out about someone that's working well with codependence or that concept that, you know, you have a special needs child and you, you're very attached with your mother. You don't do uh, on the phone? Therapy on the phone? With this program, as that's why I think in history, I'm on now about a year and something, a year and several months, only twice by mistake that I mentioned my office number. This is not meant to promote clients to me. Mm -hmm. So as mm -hmm. of right now, I am not able to accept new clients, so this is not mm -hmm. meant for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so what do you think? Relief or? Relief, echo. Relief or echo. They are both two wonderful from organizations. How do you write it? E-C-H-O? Yes, I'm assuming that. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are going to go to mm -hmm. line two. Two. Whoops. Ah, we lost the wrong ones. Um, Razy, if you can just call right back. Let's see. Hello? Whoops. Hello, Razy? Hello? Well, something is going on over here. All right. Um, if we can, I'm not sure what's going on over here with the, with the switchboard. If we can just, well, all right, we'll take a caller, put it on hold. We'll get it. And Razy, if you can call right back for line or we'll get you we'll get everyone going yeah things are we're just getting it worked out um okay we're gonna go back to line two to Razy. Razy, you're on the air with mordechai hi hello i'm sorry we lost you there <laughs> i i just wanted to ask you i have ms and it's like very interesting the way i am like I feel so, so confident with it. Like, it's like, this is what Hashem gave me, and that's it. This is me, and whatever. I I just, like, always wonder why why with MS, I'm, like, so sure this is me, and whatever. And regarding other personalities of mine, I, I am, like, always, like, so, like, upset about certain things that I do, and, like, why am I, why am, is my mind so confused, like, this thing, I'm like so sure. You know what I mean? Right, to you, as I do to all my clients, you tell me, why do you suspect? What do you mean, what I suspect? Take a guess. I'm not a novi. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe, um, you know, a, a physical, a physical sickness is something that you could see right away that this is what Hashem gave you and personality things are something which you always, I always suspect that maybe I should work on it or I should, yes. my mind should Beautiful, that word guilt, that nagging guilt that eats us up 
So when you see something is from Hashem, then there's the letting go. There's no guilt that it's my fault. It's from Hashem. And when we see our chesroinus, there's where guilt knocks us down. That is definitely one of the reasons. But sometimes I'm like, really, I really think that maybe if I would work a little harder or if my, whatever, I would try to do something else, you know, then I'll, you know what I mean? That's when it will, I'll feel more, more sure of what I'm doing is right. Yes. So there's a saying in the 12 steps that go, we are as sick as our secrets are. And that means the more guilt we keep inside, the more we keep and we don't share, the more it will eat us up. means the entire world might think we're strong and solid, but really we're, and really inside, if we can't get that out, if we can't face our illness, our sickness, or our secret, then it will eat us up. And many times that's what we do in therapy is just to help the person to have the first person where they can share that feeling, that terrible place, that terrible thought, or reason why they feel they're so bad or a certain thing they've done in their childhood that because of that they're sure Hashem hates them and they're the worst person. And once you can get them safe to get that out, so much changes in their life. So what I would ask you is what's that real guilt, those places where you're not accepted at? Go there. What is so bad about having those mistakes? I would, um, I would also like to share another thought. What might be the difference between MS and other emotional stuff is you might have, when you were diagnosed, you might have had a huge amount of emotional support. So family telling you, it's okay, we're behind you, it's from Hashem. And that's how your subconscious accepted it. And you might even have family members that just feel so confident that this is from Hashem. So that's the feelings that we're getting. However, when your family members might be upset at themselves for not being up on time, for not being smart enough, for not caring enough, for should have done more, for getting nervous sometimes, then you are mirrored and you are taught that these things we beat ourselves up. So a lot of our surroundings also affect us. I wouldn't say, uh, I don't know, because I wouldn't say that I got like such support, bad MS from my family or something. It's more my own cycle just says, come on, you're eat and you know that whatever whatever is happening in life is what Hashem does. Yes. So it just, it's like something which, you know what I mean, the swarm, if you, if you look at it, it's like so, it so, so, makes so much sense Beautiful. in my mind. Yep, excellent. You've hit it. You've hit it on the nail. That's exactly it. And, and I, I wish, I wish everything in life would be so, so straightforward as MS, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's, and that's something the doctor tells me. And, and the, the tests and show the bit and the other things, I'm like, I know, I'm really not sure. Maybe, maybe I'm like doing a mistake with this, you know, that mistake with that. And it's like, yes. I wish, I wish Hashem would just come down to me and tell me this is this and this is this. Everything is what I am doing. Nothing has to do with you and you're not doing, you're not have, you didn't have any fault of your own. So, Razy, so let me tell you, this fact that you're calling up with MS and it's a pretty serious physical illness, and the confidence that you have, because you feel it straight from the Rabbi Shloilam, that message, I would like each and every one of us, and that's what I'm walking out, so impressed and so invigorated by your confidence that comes from Hashem, it's mechazek me now, and I want you to know the Svarma all bringing down that when we come to Rosh Hashanah, you're going to notice there's very little busy with the Alchaits, 
most of the davening for Rosh Hashanah is that we should be mamluch, the Rabbi Nishlem, on ourselves. And we should be able to realize and to build ourselves up to focus that the Rabbi Nishlem is running everything. And if you've gotten it in one area so strong, it's usually easier, not easy, it's easier to bring it into those other areas. For me, to hear you have a diagnosis of MS and you are so clear and confident about that just shakes my perception and saying, Mordechai, wake up. The Rabbi Shalom really is doing everything. Just let go, even to, to the next step. I want to thank you for that. And that part is also like hard. Um, um, like when it comes to Yontif and, and I can't read at all. Yes. And I always feel like uh, like uh, I can't dive in and I can't do anything. And my son comes home from Shiel and he is like so whatever he's you know, I mean, in this serious mode that I was when I was a teenager and Shiel and everything. And I was like, I felt so close to Hashem. And now it's like I didn't have a davening to bring me into the into the feeling. And sometimes it's like you feel so. I feel so like <laughs> dry. What? It's dry. I'm saying it feels so dry. It feels like you're not doing anything. Yeah, because I can't I'd like read. To read and... question we have on the Lakewood Scoop over here. The first question that's over here is, thank you for your amazing program. I'm dealing with depression, and I was therefore unable to work on anything to improve myself before Rosh Hashanah. Talking about Tikkun Hamidus. My therapist keeps telling me that it's fine because I'm working on getting out of depression, and I'm unable to do anything else. But I'm still so stressed out about it. Is there anything that I could do to... Anything I, to, anything I could do to go to into Yontiv more relaxed? And the answer is sort of to that person similar with you. The Rabbi Shalom knows exactly what he does and he puts expectations on us of what's appropriate. Can you be upset at a two-year-old kid for eating on Yom Kippur? Can you be no. upset at a two-year-old kid for not feeling the Ema and the Yira and if they're in shul at Ne'ilah time and they're laughing and giggling? Can you be upset at them? No. So what's happening is we are trying to control the Rabbi Shalom. The Rabbi Shalom has given you MS. You're unable to read. And we are still, this person suffering from depression, and now their job is to get out of the depression. And it sounds to me there's a lot of anxiety there as well. Now, if that's your job, we can't, the Rabbi Shalom doesn't have the same job for you this year as he had for you when you were a teenager. But if we beat ourselves up and not accepting the present time the way it is, and it won't happen, then we'll feel stressed and we'll feel anxious and we'll be upset. Uh huh. So it's like it's like basically like I should I should just like not think about that. But sometimes I think maybe I should try still in Yiddish to, to speak to, to Hashem and just like. Now, Even if I let's don't recognize the difference. Let's recognize the difference of pushing yourself, going beyond, going out of your limits, and stress and anxiety. If one knocks you down, it's stress and anxiety. If one gives you motivation, it's healthy. This pushing yourself, do you feel happy after or do you feel doubt and broken? That's one of the insightest I heard from a Rav. One of the ways to recognize if it's from Hashem, if it's the Yitzhahara or the Yitzhah talking, it's very simple. How do you feel after you do it? If you push yourself to learn that extra half hour more than you should, did you feel broken? Could you not wake up the next day? Were you depressed? Then it's the Yitzhahara. If you felt great, you accomplished, and you're growing, then it's the Yitzhah type. Okay. 
when you push yourself, at least in Yiddish, at least this, at least that, do you feel broken after that? Um, I, no, I feel better. Of course I feel better. I wonder, and I really... I wonder, do you feel better that you did that? But what's your actions after? Are you tired after? Are you nervous after? Not that second when you gave in. You know, when, when, when you, like, you feel that, you know, you're able to talk to Hashem. And it's like what I'm asking. What is the price after of that? Is there a stress and anxiety? No. Okay, then it sounds like it's good. Then it sounds like what you need is to speak to a Rav, and someone will give you the guidelines for your level of condition in MS, what is expected of you and what is not. That's the job of a Rav. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know, I know one thing that I always say, Hashem, you have one excellent servant, and that's the Yatzehara, because he knows when he makes us depressed, he does such a good job. Such yes. a good job. Yes. Thank you, Razi. The Rabbi Shalom should send you a Rafua Shalema, Aksiva Chasimatoiv, a sweet, happy, healthy year for us and all of Klal Yisrael, for what all good should come. And oh, my. Thanks so much. You're welcome. We are going to go to Yerachmiel. Yerachmiel, you're on the air with Mordechai. Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Weinberger. How are you? Aleichem Shalom. Haydul Hashem Kitai. Fantastic. First of all, thank you so much for your uh, talk show, for your phone line. It's Gewaldig Ezekiel Yerabim, and it's greatly appreciated, and um, I'm sure it's appreciated by everyone. Thank you. Um, it just comes to mind, the Gemara, allow me to say, says in Megillah, Mordechai ben Yoyer Shaheir Aneim Shal Yisrael. I feel that you're a true Mayor Aneim Shal Yisrael. Wow, thank you. Yes. And I actually have a question, but in just in short, maybe you'll just give a Dvachizik for the caller before. Yes. Um, I just heard a vote from one of the tzaddikim. It says, one of the, one of the things we ask, we, we remind the schus of Noyach, Vigamis Noyach, Vahava Zacharta. So Noyach was uh, very busy with, you know, feeding the animals and didn't have much time to daven. So it says that even so, he didn't have much time to daven. Still, the remembered him So that's why that's the schus that we remind on Rosh Hashanah that many times people are in the matzav that they can't really daven and they don't have the koiches on or whatever, whatever oynes they are. From that we ask that the Rebbeinu Shalom should remember that same schus that Noach didn't have. You know, the opportunity, or however you want to call it, you know, the yes. time to daven and find us when the Rebbein Shalom remembered, you know, the Ahava, that's the schus to remind Rosh Hashanah. It might be a schus for someone, you know, someone, a chizik for someone. Okay, just going to my question. I have a daughter which is um, about 12 years old. Yep. She has terrible... Um, she makes herself a terrible pressure with the homework. She could be busy with, with homework for probably about four hours. I would call her, uh, I mean, a good student. She know, I mean, the teachers tell my wife always that she, you know, she gets good marks and she, you know, she's participating in everything, but she has a terrible pressure and she, she, I could say she probably almost cries every day. I mean, she says, she, you know, she needs the time to play and to time to, you know, she, my, you know, my wife could tell her that, you know, so you don't have to master all subjects. So big deal. You'll, you'll master a Navi Chumash math and uh, when it comes to science, you'll fail. No problem. What's the big deal? And she doesn't yes. want to hear of it. Yes. My question is, how, what is the, I, I, I think usually when it gets to Hanukkah time, it, you know, it tones down and she gets, you know, gets into the right gear and uh, it, things ease. But now it's just mamish, uh, you know, shrek with the pressure for her. The question is how to deal with it. 
Well, I'm making the assumption that you've spoken to her. So when you ask her what happens, I'm making the assumption. Did you ever speak to her about it? Yeah, sure. Okay. You always speak to her. You always tell her the thing. No, no big deal. My wife is saying, I'll give you Let's $5 if you fail. Let's try <laughs> it differently. Instead of encouraging, because that seems not to work, which, let me clarify, that is excellent. means encouraging her and teaching her and telling her that is excellent. Now, on the next level is, you ask her, what's the need to be perfect? Okay. By the way, she is a perfectionist. I oh, forgot we to know mention. that. Okay, I'm yeah. Sorry for not saying that. <laughs> okay. But we want to help her identify what right. the need for perfection. What happens if you're not perfect? And what do you think she would say? Um, I'm worthless. I'm a failure. No one's going to want to be my friend. No one wants to be right. with a loser. And one additional piece of information. I sure. think that in the class between the friends, there is a pressure... Of, I know other girls also are busy with hours, for, with, you know, with homework. So it seems like it might be a peer pressure also. I'm not yes. sure. Excellent. So we'll take that along. So let's assume, so let's pretend we'll do now a little role play. And you will be your daughter. And I'm going to ask you, why is there such a pressure? Um, what will happen mm -hmm. if you get a zero? What would you feel if you get a zero? Probably feel like, uh, you know, like you're saying, worthless and uh, no one's going to look at me or maybe friends will look down at me or, you know. Yeah. Now, the next step would be is, what happens if I would tell you that I make mistakes as well? You know what? I'll share with you a story and with the listeners. I'm not going to go into detail to which God because it's just the way it is, but I am, I've, I've written a book now, and I, I, to me it's extremely important, as it's going to have like a lot of the Tvatiris there at the end, Makiris, but as well as I'm going to get several Haskamas from Rabbanim. So I took my kids to one of the G'dayli Ador that I respect immensely, and I was told it's going to be pretty simple getting a Haskama from him. And he knows me, he respects me, so I go in with my kids, and this is about a week and a half ago, and we, we drove in, and my, my two older kids, we went to get, I went to get a bracha before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And at the same time, I left the manuscript. And I told him I'd like to get a haskama, you know, review it. What's the process? He tells me, gave wonderfully, he vinched onto my kids, said, I'm sorry, I'm not giving a haskama. We went back in the car, and my kids told me, Tati, I feel so bad for you. You expected it. We're sure it's going to work out. And I heard about it. I feel so bad. I thought, how are you going to manage? Each of my kids were like giving me that chizuk. You know what I told them? said, it might be that I won't get it, but I still haven't given it any shots. I understand why I'm making three or four assumptions why he didn't want to give the Haskama. Let me speak to someone that I know that knows him. Let me find out what it was. And I found out what's the reason, and I found out what can do to reassure it, and I'm still in the process of getting it. Now, what I shared with my kids are, at that moment, I didn't know if I'll get it. But I explained to them, I wanted them to see how every step of my life, Baruch Hashem, where I was so successful, there were at least 10 to 15 no's along the way. If we can start using real life examples in our lives where nothing goes smooth, however, when you say nothing goes smooth, will you be stuck on the depressed perfectionist knockdown feeling, oy vey, it's so hard? Or will you be able to say, this is the part of life. So before someone tells me, take a big project, I am aware of what projects entitle. Now, do I have now the time, the effort, the energy? Is this now appropriate for me to spend it? Yes or no? Now, if we can start educating it, I believe that was a chinuch example for my kids. And Merit Hashem, when I started the process, I shared with my kids. You remember we got to know, well, it's two days later, I found out what's the concern, and it's a real legitimate concern, and now this is how I'm working on it. I still don't know if I'll get it. I'm not hung up that it has to happen.
But when we want to start teaching our children at this level, I find it is extremely important. In this world, for some odd reason, we're busy showing facades. We're busy showing the beautiful covering, how nice everything, how the silver is shining. Let's recognize that at the same time, someone had to polish the silver. The silver looked black before it was polished. Now it's polished. Now it looks great. But it takes work and effort. And I feel your daughter might be missing some of that information. So what I would start doing, with, working with her is those examples. So you want to be perfect. Now, if I would have been perfect in my life, as I asked my kids, what do you think would have happened? Would I have tried still working on the Haskama? Would I just said, no, nope. the Rav said, no, that's it. Get her she, involved. Right, but she might think now that, okay, fine, so that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm working and working to be more and more perfect. <laughs> but now we haven't done the let go. So I told him, this is what I've done. I've contacted, if the person would have told me, sorry, the Rub does not give on such types. One of the things I was told is the Rub does not give a Haskama on a book, on a safer, quote, quasi-book. He only gives on Svarim. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And I would have told the kids, it didn't work out. We got to learn to let go. We got to share the balance. So you can tell her, Hishtadlis means doing one hour of homework a day. Mm-hmm. Hishtadlis is really a half hour. We'll let you do an hour. More than that's not Hishtadlis. More than that is already an illness. My question is, should, my wife, should we be strict about it and say, listen, we give you one hour and after an hour, that, that's point. it. We're missing the point now. Notice how you're again going the authoritative approach that you did before of talking. Okay. Therapy is not about talking. Therapy is about listening. We haven't listened to her concerns. The last result, number 10, option number 10 is giving her an ultimatum. Option number one is what's bothering you. Option number two is then sharing how you are not successful and how would a Shia felt. Option number three is now practicing with her. How can we teach you now to have an intrinsic value? You are valued. You have a self-esteem even when you're not successful. Otherwise, how will you survive? How was Noyach able to say that there was Gamas Noyach when he didn't daven? He didn't daven. He didn't daven. How could someone, who knows how many families are now this yuntib in Sloan Kettering? How many people are in Cornell or in other hospitals where there isn't a minion or they could barely go to me and they need to stay around the family member's bed? How many chaylam can't get off the bed? This perfectionist view is an illness. Now, it's not yeah. talking to her, it's about asking her, how can you realize that if chas v'shalom, if we would not be at a minion, if a family member has to be in the hospital, that is what Hashem wants and we can be happy. How can we start accepting Achasarayas? That's the schmooze. The conversation is not about homework. The conversation is how can you start laughing and making mistakes? Yeah. But the thing is that she does laugh and make, you know, the, and she, the thing is also that after the studying and all that, she is successful. She gets great marks. That is the sickness. That's the worst part of it all. It's like saying the gambler that yeah. invested and made from $1,000, $100,000. That is the brach. Right. That's so, the bacher, that's in yeshiva, that he's able to remember and get hundreds without studying. Then also gets to Gemara or to the more Rishayim and Achrayim, where if you missed one thing, now they can't keep up and they don't know how to put in work. Your daughter does not know how to let go. That's, right. that's the danger. That's the danger of the drug. That's right. where anxiety comes in. But again, I want to clarify for you, you're, you seem extremely comfortable giving the drushes. Yeah. <laughs> what we need to be comfortable is listening. Having mm-hmm. twice a week schmoozing with your daughter about how can we fail and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I was explaining to her that how to you know how to succeed without getting the hundred. You can, in other words, you can be a success. You're using the word explaining, and I would like to use the word listening. How okay. she can learn that lesson through her own words. 
So there's a type called of therapy called Rogerian therapy, and he created really the whole mirroring and reflective listening. He's the machadish of that. And a lot of it's asking open-ended questions. So will you always get 100? And what happens if you got to clean up the house and it's impossible to take care of everything at the same time? What will you do then? And your friend looks like she's doing it, or your friend's got more money. How will you manage then? Mm-hmm. What will you do? How are you surviving now? You see the open-ended questions. We're talking in question forms. So that means that if I didn't do well, or if I taught a class, or if I'm giving a drasha and people didn't like it, it means now I have to feel like a failure. Notice the question. Now, how, what would you tell me? Mm-hmm. Notice how I'm asking open-ended questions, which is information with a question for her to connect. That's one of the strongest points in therapy. We don't give drushas. We ask. Right, because I think, I mean, we did ask, I mean, what's, so what's the deal if you're, not, if you're going to fail? You're gonna lose she just didn't answer. Usually, the, she was like, no response. So then right? you offer, then you offer. Will it be that you'll lose friends? Do you mm-hmm. think you're not valued? Notice I'm giving an answer in a question form. Right. Uh-huh. The point is we want her to talk. If you can't get her to talk, then I'd really recommend a child therapist. Because right. this develops to high anxiety at 16 to 18 years old. And the older they are, the more struck they are. Mm-hmm. The more and the more stuck they are, and if unfortunately Hashem still lets them be successful on this path, these are those that are nervous, tense mothers. These are those that get, you know, whatever. I don't want to go into different diagnoses that form from that. These and are, but, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. The child therapist uh, re- is releases uh, recommends child therapists as well. Sure, they have one person. I think her name is Rifki Schwartz. I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm not sure. I know her, I know her first name is Rifki. And she's especially, she, her referral all day is for child uh, therapy. I don't think I need a child. I'm just, you mentioned. That's right. That, yeah. No, even the uh. teacher. I also think the school has to be recognized. I think the teacher needs to be told this is now a new year. And it's got to be broken. Who knows how many other mothers we are creating future mothers stuck with anxiety. Who knows how many kids will not enjoy their teenage years. Who knows how many kids will never develop a healthy self-esteem, and a healthy self-esteem means seeing their strengths and seeing their weaknesses and knowing that I will work on it, but at a healthy level. Who knows how many people will be in this class is affected by this. Yeah, you mean, you think, think that it's like too much homework or too much pressure? You mean the it's the peer pressure? It's the teachers. Maybe the teachers need to get a class on making mistakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. the peer pressure must be broken. It is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It is unhealthy. Right. Okay. Thank, Thank you very, you very much. Have a good day. See you next time. I appreciate it, Rabbi Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Yerachmiel. Let me share with you a question. Hold on. We got a question before the program started. What can you suggest to a girl in her mid-twenties who has no desire to get married? Now, there are many reasons that could go on. Number one, I don't want to get into that, but abuse is possible that we might um, suggest. However, I'd like to take your aspect to that question. And that is, I deal with many people that go, I don't want to get married because I can't handle the pressure. My, chi- my, my childhood, my parents' house was such a pressure. Why should I want to get married and then become someone else's slave? I hear that. And do you know what that means? It means these children during their childhood didn't enjoy, didn't relax. Everything is a pressure. Being married means I'm going to have to cook and clean for that person. I'm now their slave. What happened to give and take? What happened to smiling? What happened to relationships? What happened to someone taking care of you and someone caring about you? What happened about someone that thinks for you and can give that smile that cheers you up? But unfortunately, girls that are put into that role of perfectionist, they go, you want me to take a bigger and stronger role where there's only going to be pressure? What's the benefit? Perfectionists are never happy. They're never satisfied because it could have always been better. 
All right, my friend. Yes, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for that. We are going to line two to Yankel. Yankel, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, I did get benched your team. I did get your. I have a question. Uh, I'm from Lakewood and um, grew up here. And my question is, it's a, either, you know, a lot of pain in, in me, from, but uh, being experienced some of these things, especially abuse from above. Yeah. Uh, why in Lakewood, with all the Chachma and Torah and oh, all the... Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Can we... I, I have an issue. Can we change this? I don't like when we pick out a society or a community or something like that because... Okay, fine. Yeah, let's take the word Lakewood out because it's every area, every kahila. If you're an organization of a system of many people, they are going to have to be chesroinus. I live in Lakewood. I love okay. the place. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a ger compared to you. Ger v'soishav You know, I send my kids there, but I'm there only recently. Saying, let's, okay. let's not pick a kahila because this is, let's, let's take out the word Lakewood and let's take it to any area. What's your question? You got it. Uh, why, it seems... Uh, in our leadership throughout all these various communities that the OTD, but it's especially pointing to where I am, the off-the-derech children are still being thrown under the bus as evidence that every Shabbos, you go by the lake, you'll see a multitude of wonderful, whole, intelligent kids who are way out in left field smoking and drinking and, and some of them actually doing heroin. Uh, let's take a step oh, back. Let's let's take a step back and let's not. Is this now not a huge issue facing Klal Yisrael all over in every country? I know it's in England. I know it's in Eretz Yisrael. I know it's well, in Bar Park. Well, I, I I am envious though because I hear, for instance, in other communities. And, don't believe uh, it. Don't yeah. believe it. I'm a therapist. I am telling you. Speak to speak to our place to Chaim Glantz. Speak to. I can give you a list of Askanim just in New York that will tell you how it's. Rampant, unfortunately, all over. I, I'm in this. This is a field that I know. I don't work per se directly with teens at risk, and we'll get into the minute. We'll clarify why not. However, mm -hmm. I'd like you to know this is a machla that's affecting all over Klaus Roll, Hasidim, Lutfax, Svardim, America, Borough Park, Lakewood, Monroe, Flatbush, Lake, um, England, Golders Green, Stamford Hill, Canada. Canada actually much less because it's also a smaller community, but it's still mm. there. Right. I will well, tell you this is all over. Me. No one is throwing it under the bus. I'll really be honest with you. Well, I, I, I actually I go out to Jabez and I speak to the boys yeah, and the girls there, and I watch uh, some of the leadership come down, and I am like in awe and sometimes in shock on how they relate to them. Let's take uh, a step back. There's an unbelievable tzaddik that lives next to me, Rabbi Abadi, and he's of 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 our of uh, Minyan Shalano. Right, I know. Unbelievable tzaddik. He's up every night till two, three in the morning. When unfortunately there's a problem, the police call him first. Right. No, I understand. But I'm that's saying one, we're dealing. He is part of the leadership. Right. There, it's to me uh, looking at, and I've been there, and I've seen some chashuvah abanim come down there, and their approach to talk to these kids. I'm in shock. Okay, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back over here. Um, this let's this place is not where I really would like to address that because this is inner pain and different stuff. And there are rabbanim 
I don't want to go into that because a lot of people seem to, we have this concept that everyone's got to do everything at all times. And we want that Rav to work with all the kids of the Derech. We want the Rav to do Shalom Bayez all the time. We want the Rav to answer Shilas. We want the Rav to be a husband to his wife. We want the Rav to be a father to his children, a grandfather to his children. We want the Rav to sit and learn 24-7 and not do anything else. We also want the Rav to bring in Parnassa when no one is paying them anything. We want the Rav to go say things when half the oil, unfortunately, I'm going to be very blunt, and I don't want to be Chasram to a Ktega on our Kehillah now before Rosh Hashanah, but the Rabbanim are saying things and we're not listening. Simple thing. How many people still have internet not filtered? Right, right. We're busy but, complaining uh, about the Rabbanim. Why don't we look at what they are doing that we don't listen? Do you think the Rav isn't aware of that? But we love coming to them. Here's the world's problem. Solve it, but we won't listen to you. I don't want to say that there isn't education needed sometimes for the Rabbanim. I'm very for that, and Rabbanim are getting that. In Lakewood, you're talking about Lakewood, I know several Rabbanim that are now licensed clinical social workers, or licensed master social workers, that while they were in yeshiva, or, or it's hush, hush, how they're doing it, but the Rabbanim are getting degrees and getting experience. But I need to recognize when we complain about the Rabbanim, who's listening to them? I want mm-hmm. to be very blunt. I feel that the time is on us. Right. Not a complaint, God forbid. I, I, I respect them with great... No, but I find sometimes we go to Rabbeim and we all think that... And I think it gets to people's heads that they are the answer people. They have the answer to everything. And what I see from some of them when they come down, they feel they have the answer by giving a boy Musser that is going to burn so in Gehenna. I am, going to, I am uh, once again going to defend the Rav. People call themselves Rabbanim. The Rabbanim that I associate with are highly humble. And they recognize and they know what is going on. And unfortunately, there isn't a family today that doesn't have a cousin, a nephew, or a child, or a grandchild that someone is unfortunately of the derech or on the fringe, or people don't know about. And everyone is suffering from this. And some people use an old school model, but most aren't. And I really mm-hmm. got to tell you, especially in Lakewood, I am highly impressed with what's going on in the understanding. And the yeshivas and the schools are understanding. That, I mean, Lakewood per se, from what I see from being in there in the schools, they've got Caterpillar. They've got so many organizations in there where kids are getting every, um, so how should I call it, every system or a special ed, occupational, whatever therapies needed speech in there where parents and teachers are noticing it right away. The Derek's happening is an entirely different subject that I've got, and I don't want to go there. There might be some Rabbanim, or people that call themselves Rabbanim, or someone that feels they are. But really, when I'm dealing with the Gedolim, from my experience, highly understanding, highly clear. I'm not going to say which one, but I've just got a text from a, a previous client of mine where this lady went to a very, I would say from the top five Rebbes, where they've got, imagine where they've got over four or five thousand Hasidim. And the lady went in for kvittel now with the husband. And one of the questions they asked the rebel was, can this lady go to a man therapist? And based on the case, he said, yes. And she says, but it's a man. And he says, but I already said yes. Rabbanim are so much more understanding than we make them out to be. My issue that I find with the Rabbanim is that they know or they feel we don't listen. And therefore, they're hesitant to take a leadership position, just like a Bezdin is not supposed to put someone a cherem, because if you tell someone something, they don't want to put someone a cherem, they know they won't listen. Rabbanim are very hesitant. Those that are, that are in the political, powerful 
positions they need to make a decision. If I say this, will anything happen or won't it happen? Now, mm -hmm. Rabbi Anka, let's take the other side. Since you are such a great heart, since you do have the heart and speaking to these kids. These kids need a place where they can speak to. Rabbi Abadi can use people just to volunteer and walk in and help out. They have once a night, they have where the people can be there at night. In Brooklyn, you have our place. You've got several places where are out there for the teens. You've got the regular yeshivas where there's a kid that just needs big brother, big sister program. I used to volunteer in OL when I was a teenager in yeshiva. So I was in yeshiva full time. But on Shabbos, I volunteered an hour. I did it for about a year, a year and a half. I've, I was a big brother for someone. Let's not talk about... The thing I'm trying to say, and I do get involved with that, and I said all, is I think the community as a whole, and, and understand because it's a very painful topic, most generally we don't want to deal with it. And uh, what I'm saying is... We don't know how to deal with it. The problem is so vast. For me to deal with a teen at risk, the parents need guidance, the kids need guidance, you many times need to remove this kid from the surroundings, what's going on. You need to deal with some underlying issues that is going on in the house or some abuse or some other stuff that were going on. You need to deal with where they might have had a best friend that dropped, whatever it should be. These kids are now completely lost. And to right. help a teen at risk, as you know, it's not just going to therapists once a week. That's why I don't deal with teens at risk. There's an entire structure needed. Most of yep. the time, or many times, what's helping and what saves these teens at risk is when you get them completely out of the environment to another yeshiva. And then the problem is, from experience, as you know, they come back three or four weeks, and unfortunately, they get right back in there. Right. Teen at risk, the reason why, part of the reason why it's exploding is because the solution isn't simple. If it's depression, you t say, you go to a therapist for six months, I can tell you that the amount of teens of the derech, OTD, would be much lower. The problem is it's an entire system, and I'm going to be blunt. How many of those kids off the derech do one or both parents have a mental or emotional disorder? Or there mm -hmm. are three generations of anxiety and stress going on, not just the parents, even the grandparents? Mm -hmm. How many times was it that a Rebbe might have done the trigger and we blame the yeshiva system, but it's really that the parents are dysfunctional, and I don't mean to blame them, I'm just being, let's face reality. No, no, you're right, because a bunch of you're correct, because I talk to them and I listen to them, as you mentioned before, to your other gentlemen you're speaking to. As I mentioned to people when they go, uh, and my, you know, three cents, I put, and I said to the wonderful care, the people who do come to the lake and talk to them, I said, don't talk to them, don't talk at them. Why don't you sit down and listen to them? That's right. And see what they have to say. Most of the times, tragically, and I tell people that, I said most of the time they, they're talked down to, they're talked at, and the kid doesn't get a word in edgewise. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. That's like right. you said, it, my, my house life is terrible, or the ready to this, that, whatever it may be. That's right. A lot of times they don't even get the word out. That's These right. guys come with the gun so whole, you know, I'm going to cure you by putting it all. That's right. And like, it's, it's kind of scary. But I'm, what I'm saying more is I feel still in the community because I built around... I'll tell you what, let's, let's leave the question over here, Rabianco. I'd rather... The program over here is not to discuss community issues and community problems. The real goal right. is if there's a question I try to address to the individual because I am a believer that in changing a community, it all starts with one. So I would, I would ask you, Rabianco, what is within your power to change that you can do in your little Daladamas that could now make an effect in Lakewood to help out? Well, my thought is I feel that uh, 
as like as I was going to say years ago, and I guess this is in all the communities. Uh, to go to a therapist, you would never find a therapist in Lakewood for miles. Uh, now there's therapists on every block. It used to be years ago. You have to drive far away and hope no one else is there. That's right. And no one will see you because it was such a shande of you know, oh, yes, and because of the mishigas of oh, you'll never marry your kids, and the, you know That's who right. goes to the therapist. It finishes, you know, a, a crazy Michigan. Now, we have therapists on every block Excellent. in Lakewood. So what is the step that you feel you can take to help? I, 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 I don't know. I speak to people in town. I feel, you know, it's like, God bless Rabbi Abadi, and there are numerous others. And I'd like to tell you, I have a brother-in-law, a wonderful guy, Penny Horowitz. I just forgot the name of the house. I was actually spoke there on, on Tisha B'Avos. They invited me. But there they have in the evening, every evening from 8 to 10, like a coil for Bachram that are working, they're having solid jobs, they just are not able to sit and learn, but at night where they get together, because a lot of the problem, as you know, is they're hanging out with a bad element, these are excellent, solid guys, and they have a two-hour seder with a supper there, they have sometimes Thursday nights a little music after, they, the, um, I just forgot, uh, one of the strengths I need to work on is remembering people's names, though. but mm-hmm. I spoke there, but it was unbelievable, they have 20 boys there, 30 boys there, and they set one-on-one with people learning. And they have Balabatim learning with them. They have Koyal Yingalite that are going at night. And it's not, oh, Arachmanis, these poor guys. These are solid guys that are now, they're giving them solid structure. There are so many great things going on over there. What can right. you get a part of? My, my part that I feel I'm doing is by creating awareness of the emotional stuff and that stuff. And, and, oh, that's what I do when I go there. I actually, I, I actually spend quite a bit of time with the wonderful... Um, you didn't rabbon them that to come down there and, and say, throw some of these thoughts out about how to sit down and listen. And I'm also praising these kids because these kids are, when I speak to them, they're very intelligent kids and wonderful. Yes. Excellent. Fantastic. And your little bit is maybe just speaking. Whoops. Hello? Yep. Hello? Yeah, and your part might be just speaking to them. Well, that's what I'm doing. I am. You know, like what you said, awareness. I think there's still that ancient mentality in all, in all the communities. Again, I get with the, of, you know, oh, mental illness, sha, sha, we don't want to deal with it. We don't talk about it. But it's there. Let's deal with it openly yes. and be friends. And, so, all right. And, yep. But anyway, thank you so much. So much, Rabbi Aksiva Hasima Taiva, sweet, happy, healthy year. May we be Zaycha to do everything that we can the right way, and all our children should be on the derech, follow in our path, follow in the derech avisenu, derech Yisrael Saba. It's a wonderful path that we've got, and for our children to see the beauty and the light of the Rabbi Nishlam, to look at Rosh Hashanah, to look at Yom Kippur with the beauty, it's a chance to do an evaluation. Where are we holding? Are we growing? Do we need to grow? And that's a magnificent, magnificent feeling of Rosh Hashanah, of Yom Kippur, and yes, to be able to feel strong and to be able to take care of ourselves and to have the balance. Well, thank you, thank you. And all the best to you. Yeah. Be well, um, I would like to go now to... Oh, we've got a couple of stuff. All right, what do we do? You know, let's go ahead and start with... Let's just read two, three questions. Lakewood Scoop will take questions, and then we're going to go to the questions. The call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. I just, just for my clarification, for my at ease, 
when I mentioned to Rabbi Yankel over here about some of the parents that might have emotional issues, I'm not blaming parents because I also speak to parents where they're doing everything right and there's a certain environment or a certain friend or they had no idea what was going on when they were doing their stuff right. And years later, they found out what was the trigger to cause. And abuse, not going into it, is a large part of that, unfortunately. But there's also so many other stuff as well. Not feeling valued, not being successful, not feeling a success in Yiddishkeit. Sometimes certain Averis are going on that they feel Hashem will never let them in. There's so much involved when we deal with a teenager that's all of the derech. And that's why you need people to have the experience. And usually these people will work on an entire team. That's also why it works so well when you send them to a different environment because it can take care of so many of the issues. The difficulty is when they got to come back into society and how not to get, I don't use the word society, how to get back to their old environment if that's needed and how to remain healthy and how not to get caught up. But with Siyata Deshmaya, the Rabbi Shleilam has unbelievable malachim. I call them malachim. They are people up every night that we're not even aware of till 2, 3 in the morning, either on a small paycheck or just volunteering. And these people are tzaddikim, really tzaddikim with what they do, no credit, no thanks. In Bar Park, I'm not going to say the person's name, but lives two blocks away from my in-laws, and one Friday night told me, just come over from 11 till 2 in the morning, every Friday night this person had Bacharim over there. And one person walked all the way, coming into Bar Park from Avenue S., the person walked about 45 minutes to get there just to be singing, yes, singing, not singing, talking, just schmoozing, whatever they wanted. There are tzaddikim out there that are doing their parts. And with Siata Deshmaya, the Rebunshan will send the Geula Shalema. Let's go read over here two, three questions. Number one, with so much family bonding on Yantiv, how is one, how can one alleviate the stresses that are bound to arise with all the pressure of family reunions? Please give some tips for staying calm and learning how to be the one and accept all the types of personalities, be it religious, socially, in the family, so that Yantif can be beautiful, peaceful, and a harmonious time. Let's take this recognition. I think the question is fantastic. I've got an entire program on that on the phone line, and where you can download it from winnerformula.com, and that is recognizing Yantif, um, how it's such a stress. It happens to be a bestseller, and Velechtuch of which is a fantastic organization where they have Shirim of Rabbanim, I found it as chus that they were willing to take my shiurim, and they usually put it out before Yom Tovim time, Sukkot and Pesach. They put that out, and that is one of the main topics: how to make yontiv. So let's just give you one or two, three goals. Number one: set up a goal that you would like to accomplish. Simple goals, not vast. Simple goals could be: we'll all sing together the zmiras, or we'll have we'll go to different shuls, but when we get together, everyone's going to smile. We'll thank Hashem for something. We will stay calm. Next step is speak to each child coming. What is their goal? What is a concern that they might have? And it could be who's sleeping in which room, who gets the bigger room. It could be that their grandchild doesn't get the cover that all the other grandchildren get. Once you're identifying what the one pain that someone might have, A, and B, what can we do that if they have that one goal, then they will feel Yontav was a success and it was okay. Next step is to recognize that there's that one or two siblings that trigger each other, there's a way to make shalom, but that's not for now. The simple thing is see if we could get them different meals. Put them strategically sitting at the other side. Try to get a babysitter if it's always who will watch or who won't watch. Plan ahead of time saying, speak to each one openly. I know this person is sometimes a trigger to you. What can we do to make it peaceful that each of you will be okay? And it might just be that we won't ask, don't ask me to babysit that child or don't go to sleep and have your kid hit my kid. 
Be aware of what the issue is. Now, what are some, and come up with not just one idea, give three or four ideas that can be done to address it. And the last step along those lines are, if there is an explosion, what can we do to calm down? So someone can be nervous. You're allowed to get stressed. You're allowed to yell. Then right away, what do we have in place? So there's a concept of a fire. There's a concept of the fire department. There's a concept of crime. There's a concept of the police force. We hope the police force will be a deterrent that it should not happen. We hope that in the fire department that they're able to do codes in a house that when you're building it, that it should remain safe, that there shouldn't be a fire. But at the same time, if there is Hasashalm crime or if there is Hasashalm a fire, we now have the team in place, which is the fire department. So set that up in advance. Third question that we have over here from Malki on Yeshiva World is, now that it's before Rosh Hashanah, time for forgiveness, I have an issue that comes up every year. I'm in my low 20s, and when I was in elementary school, I had a principal that embarrassed me twice in front of my class. I tell myself every year that I forgive her and have nothing against her, but when I think about her, I can still feel the pain and embarrassment. I feel at the time it happened. Can you give me some tools how to forgive with all my heart? Thanks. I'll share with you something that I've actually done in real life. I had a similar situation and what I did is I went over to that maggot chair and I told the person, I'm now older and wiser. And I know a lot of the thoughts that I was upset at you then in yeshiva aren't real. But the emotions still there. Can we please discuss it? And the person said, with the greatest of pleasures, we discussed it. And my heart is completely free. And I'm able to vinch and wish this guy such health. And I even refer to this person for whatever reason, those that I won't say who it is, but this person is in a position of authority and such a special person. One of the things that I found is be open, discuss it. In fact, how the person finished off saying, if you would have been then like you are now and just informed me of what was going on in your house, I would have done such major changes for you. I would have helped you. But I had no idea. And I think back after that, how many times I am angry at a person when the person is completely innocent. If the person would just have that information, of course they would have changed. This Magachir says, you have, do you have any idea how I would have helped you? I would have never done so-and-so How I, had I even known that it's affecting one person. But if I don't verbalize, if I don't communicate, it's not his issue. It's mine. If we don't inform, discuss, clarify, it's not their issue, it's ours. And as we bring down in the Rambam, oh, forget about where, but one of the things that the Rambam says is that when you want to help someone or when you want to be meicheach someone, it's not about yelling at them. It's first discussing it, telling them your side, explaining, saying, this is how I felt. Is that what you meant? Is that what was done? And once we do that, only after that do you start, we need to tell someone publicly or to change or do something. So I'd like to realize is, you're upset at the principal. If they're still alive, first communicate with them. Go over to them. Tell them, you know, I'm still upset or hurt about that. The person generally will say, I'm so sorry, I never meant it. Person might say I was under stress. The person might say that is my mahalach, and I so I know some people get hurt. But being that I'm a principal, you can't please everyone all the time. So those people that are hurt, I feel bad. I did it, and I apologize. They might say I don't apologize at all. They might even educate you what you looked like or what you were doing. Do you know the amount of times that I've got clients coming into my office telling me I'm innocent, and then you, with permission of them, we speak to the parents, and you hear what they've done. It's amazing how many times we don't see ourselves because the Rabbi Shalom has created us with this filter that we only see how they wronged us. We don't see what we did to them first. So therefore, forgiveness is number one, forgiving ourselves. Or let's start differently. First, identify what was your mistakes. If you cannot go over to that person, recognize what were your mistakes. I was able to go over to that Rav and say, my mistakes are I didn't verbalize. 
my mistakes are that I didn't do step one, two, and three. Or every time someone spoke to you and then they spoke to me a certain way, I felt you did that and the person was telling me it's completely different or complete denying it, which is also okay. But the stories that we make up in our mind are so painful. And we walk around with that and many times there are lies. Many times we're wrong. Many times we've made several associations, but they're not real. So if we can recognize that and deal with that, with Siata Dishmaya, that can help the forgiveness. Next step is speaking to the person. Going over and saying that verbalizing it makes a big difference. If the person's not alive, you can either go to their caver, or if that's not that pos possible, have a friend. God like you to role play. You're the principal, and I'm you, and I'm telling it to you. And just have the friends repeat the words that you would even want to say, I'm sorry. And we see a huge change when that happens. Role play works. That's what we do in therapy. A large component of that is role play. When a person can do it once in the office or three, four times they master it in the office, all of a sudden you see how they're able to do it in real life. And that is part of the goal of play therapy, which means we have a person practice and play around with the toys and they get the reassurance with what toys can help them build up their confidence. And then along those lines, they feel the strength within themselves now to be able to verbalize it without the component of toys. And then the next step is they're many times able to do it now on their own. Or some people go directly from seeing it on toys and implementing it right away. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We've got some availabilities now to go ahead and take your question or your comment. Hi, I'm a teenager. Uh, here's a text coming into JRoot. And that number is 347-927-8398. Again, we're looking to get the questions. Thanks. The callers are coming in. So we'll take this question while we load up the person. Hi, I'm a teenager, and I just asked a former friend for forgiveness to make sure she has no negative feelings for several reasons we had to part ways. Now I find myself thinking about her a lot. Is it normal? Why does it happen? Of course it's normal. When you connect with someone, you ask forgiveness, or they ask you forgiveness, we let go. We work on it. And you're thinking about the person. That energy is now in your mind. When we can let go of that, when you can just go through the process of disconnecting, it can take several days or weeks, but then on a healthy level, we disconnect. So understand, part of making amends, part of asking forgiveness is you're re-bringing in that emotional pain, and then you clear and you work on it. We are going to go to Lindy. Lindy, on line one, you're on the air with Mordechai. Um, hi, thank you very much for everything. I listen and I always find it very helpful. Okay, I have a daughter living out of the community, um, out of my community. Uh, her, her husband doesn't allow her to call, uh, to call, um, to call me on the phone. We don't speak only when we meet um, at Simchas. Yeah, oh, that's speak. so painful. Yeah, and the kid, the, the children. We I call once. Call once a week. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. It's as if I'm you're getting so sorry. I know, and I don't have it. Okay, I'll do that. One minute. Okay. Let me see if I can. Okay, I'm sorry. If you'd like, how about I go to caller two and then see how you can maybe just call right back and block it. So we'll take you right after. Is that okay? Do you? Um, okay. Maybe maybe I. Um. Let me see. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it's set. Let's try. Okay. Let's go ahead. Sure. Okay. So the thing is that. Um, I speak to the children once a week. We're talking about a growing family. A 15-year-old is the oldest, and two months is the youngest. Yes. 
Now, throughout the years, uh, we tried to send people. We tried to make uh, peace with my son-in-law, and he was, you know, very not forthcoming. And um, um, although, let, let's say, we made a bridge in the summer, the summer, and we were there at the. It was on a Shabbos, so we were there. It was in a shul. Now, every year when it comes before Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, I have this thing that I really feel like I want to, you know, speak it out to at least Vinchun, my in my Mahatanam, and um, I like what I want, you know, I, I, we feel that we, you know, we, we're the ones that are like suffering and the ones that are like uh, quote unquote punished, whatever you want to call it. That and we're going through so much. So why are they still so angry at us? Like, let me let me try. So I just pick myself up, and I want to hear your opinion on the answer that I got. I pick myself up. They wouldn't answer phone call. So I picked myself up, took a bus out of the community where they are, and they own a store, and it's a storefront to the public, and nobody was in the store. It was empty when I went inside, and I just um, I walked in and I said like very nicely and calmly. You know, I want to vince you a git geben and maybe we could make shulam and, like, forget, you know, whatever. Whatever was past is past, and, you know, we should be the shulam. We all need past the Rebbein Shulam for good things, so let's have this, uh, whatever. So um, she said, she, her answer was, um, the damage that you did cannot be undone. And I, so I asked her, what do you mean by that? I had no idea what she meant. So she said, the chinuch you gave your daughter. I'm just curious. I hope you don't, you know, if you, can you give me your comment on that answer? So I have a very tough time answering a question like that, and I'll tell you why. Because I, these are like some of my nightmares, chas v'shalom. You know, or, or I'd say any parent's nightmare, that they marry <coughs> off their children and they want, the goal is to that our children should be healthy and make their own life, and, but to still include us in part of it, like the role of grandparents, to, have, to be the role of a parent and of a of mother-in-law and a father-in-law, and then to have the role of a grandparent. And to have that removed, it's like sometimes harder for people. They call themselves labdugi assignment, where you've got kids that their parents are not well or in a hospital or something, and they're not even getting the recognition. They're not a yasam, they're not this, and that's the concept. And the position that you're in is probably one of the hardest positions I could think of for people to be in. Now, let's try the other way. And just to do this way, if I would ask you, because that's in the program of forgiveness, and when I, we do therapy, before we focus on the other person, I'll tell you, you've got to give me six months of not focusing on the other person. What would you say were mistakes that you've done? I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing it on air, but okay, that's what you, I do therapy. Okay, you're asking me what mistakes I did... As a parent, what mistakes I did after the marriage both, that they... Both, what? both, both, because it's not just mistakes. Now, I'm not saying you've done them. Okay, no. know is your son-in-law might be a crazy, abusive, manipulating, controlling parent, okay. and it might be his parents too, and the minute they feel someone is giving that daughter-in-law, that wife, a little choice to breathe, it might be that, you know, it might be that that's the case. Let's just no. go with the assumption that there is an emotional issue going on, that they're relatively healthy. Now, if, that, if it takes two to tango, it takes two people, what would you say is the emotion, are some of the mistakes that you've done? Okay, so 
So um, I would say that um, my daughter was like not the best balabasta and not coping very, very well, and we tried to help her. And I think the mistake was that we didn't, like, include my son-in-law. Like, um, we tried to... We tried to to help her, but like um, we did, like like we thought it's going to be better if we like help her, but like not show her up to him. Like, yeah. In other words, and that, but I realize now late, that what let's wasn't stop really. A second. Hold on. Let's mm-hmm. let's take that concept and now let's do that. What? Let me translate and tell me if that's it. That when you see a need, how to help someone, you do it from your view, not aware that there might be other systems and different ways to do that. So you felt that you're helping, but in reality, you might have been hurting them. Could be. Okay, now let's, take I, a, now let's stop a second. Yeah, yeah. Do you notice how, now tell me if you're doing, if you're doing the same thing with trying to ask the mechila, means you're calling them, and they don't want to answer the phone, but you still want to make shalom, so you're still calling and reaching out, and you'd even go down to their store. Now, what happens if someone doesn't want to answer the phone and you say, let it go? It might take five or ten years till it will happen. Can you let go? When you were helping your daughter, was it your way that you saw instead of letting things happen? Not really. It was, it was, um, no, it's, uh, um... Were you more authoritative? There's a different types of leadership. There's authoritative leadership where you're very involved. You're dictating. You're telling what to do. You're aware of it. And sometimes there's submissive leadership where you let people fall and learn from their mistakes, but you're there to guide them. There are different styles. They both work. Authoritative works if it's done with balance and, and the submissive authority works if it's also done balanced. Because sometimes just letting people fall and not being there isn't healthy as well. It's got to be done the balanced way. Can it be that part of your inner work, that if I would say, since we have no power over your daughter, your son-in-law, or your mechatana, but there is power over you, how, how will you learn? If I would tell you to go for therapy for six months, is to learn how to let go, how to smile, how to be comfortable when you speak to kids, not to expect them ever to connect to you. Unfortunately, sometimes people, there can be damage, like someone's got an illness and sometimes the doctors say there are no solutions to that. There are sometimes damages where there might not be solutions. How can you just accept the little that you do have? That is where your therapy would come in. And somehow, how the Rebbe makes it, when we let go within, somehow things move then and things change. I don't want to call it a Rachni's level, but all I know is that all those people that go to the Al-Anon groups, which are the groups for the codependent ones, when we let go of our need to control or our pain, somehow the other person changes then. And I can, if it wouldn't be out of, the, out of confidentiality, I would bring my clients on success after success that we have when a person says a husband or a wife wasn't changing and by them going for therapy, just them, the healthy one, but they had to learn how to let go, the entire environment changed. So while you might think you've changed, maybe going down there was another slap saying, you see how she doesn't get it. She's still seeing things her way. Now you meant... Good. You meant to make shalom. That's what we're supposed to do before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But we also know how to do it. We need to know how to do it. So I'm just making guesses here. I don't know who you are. I've never spoken to you before, as far as I know. I don't know your mechatanim. I don't know your son. I don't know your daughter. I don't know your daughter. I don't know your son-in-law. But what my recommendation is, when it gets to such a level, I make the recommendation for you and your husband 
to go for therapy for six months, once a week, and the focus can only be you. How can you let go? I hear you. I hear you. I appreciate it. No, no, I I appreciate it. There's no blaming. Can you just hear there's no blame? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Uh, I hear it clearly. I appreciate it. There was one, there's just a, a point that made me very, very uncomfortable was that that till now I thought that her mother-in-law is at least nice to her and they're and, you know and they're they're they they're good to her and they like her and whatever and she's happy with them so okay so it took me years I mean this is going on eight years so it took me a long time and I did go for therapy and and I worked on myself and it shouldn't bother me and it shouldn't and I you know accepted and people think uh, you know I'm really accept you know but I do hear what you're saying I understand that also but I do what what did bother me very much was what she said, I don't know what goes on there. I just send my peklach and I don't, I don't, um, I don't, um, um, get involved. Uh, you know, well, it's, from her talking, it showed me that she is really, like, very, very upset and unhappy. Yes. With yes. her daughter-in-law, and she's helping, but but not oh, helping. You know what I mean? That. Wait, why are we making that assumption? Maybe I heard it differently. You see, that's all perception. So you know them. You have more experience. Yeah. What I'm hearing is, I heard her sort of try to slap you, saying, "Will you want to help your kids? Just send pekloch and don't call." That's what I heard. I heard her attack no. you and say, "I love my, I love my daughter-in-law. I love my son." It's funny how each no, one no. hears theirs. I heard her slap you. No, 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 no. We're presuming. You see, what <laughs> no. we really need to do is call, get yeah. your mechatenis on the phone and she'll clarify. I just want you to realize the difference in perceptions and words. <laughs> Rabbi Weinberger, I sent Peklach and they were thrown in the garbage. Okay, but well, I'm not okay, saying, I'm I'm saying not, that it, might have been the message what she is saying and what she's saying. Sometimes now it's too late. Sometimes the person needs time to heal. What is that? What do you mean regarding what? Okay, there's a concept. Alterazza odam b'shas kasoi. Yes, right. So, that's so why they this is- still might be hurt that sending pekloch isn't good. Like if they don't want to ask, if they're not ready yet to, to make shalom, and you're going down and sending messages to make shalom, it will only make it worse. I'm not judging. Again, I have no idea what's going on. For all I know is it could be the other way around. You're a healthy, great mother, and you've created, you know, you've created a wonderful daughter, and she unfortunately married a monster. It could go the other way as well. I don't know. All I know is that if you're calling, the focus that we always do is on ourselves. Right. I understand. And if she's upset at your daughter, that's her choice. And she will have to work on herself to I let go of that. And she might feel that her son fell, and that's her issue. What we could work on is your issue, how you can be at peace and be able to appreciate the little bit that they are letting you, that when they meet at a chasana, that you can speak to your daughter, and if your son-in-law comes to do that, and if you can speak to your grandchildren, how can we have forgiveness and love in our heart with a little bit? And I'm not saying it's easy. I want you to know, I called up another therapist because I needed advice about something, and the therapist said, you're right on everything that you're doing, and I'm, I'm amazed at how brave you are for doing it. I want you to know, I don't think I would have been able to do that. So I'm, when I'm giving you suggestions and advice, I'm telling you that this is one of my inner fears. Chas something that had to happen. Mm-hmm. For me to raise my kids, so, um, so much of my life is my kids, is my wife and kids. And Chas if they would get married and like there'll be an unhealthy disconnect that to do my little role of father or grandfather would be taken away from me, that would hurt me tremendously. So I don't know how I will react. I do know that now I go for therapy. Now I work on myself in my heart. To me, to work when I have difficulties, I know I will be doing that for that tough time. I hope I'll have the seichel at that time to continue doing what I'm doing now. But 
I just can't answer that, and my heart goes out to you. Let's put it, yeah. I appreciate everything you're telling me, and I, 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 I wish you a good given to you. You oh should man. never know of such, such something like this. Oh you don't deserve man. it. Oh okay, man. a good given to you. Thank you, and I appreciate the bravery that you're calling in. We are going to line two to Leibish. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello. Yes. I'm, I'm calling from Manchester. Wonderful. And, and Actually amazing, um, and thank you. <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, first of all, I want to say two things. Thank you very much for your wonderful line. Yes. I enjoyed it. Uh, my wife enjoyed it. We, we, that, that's, that's our uh, talk in the day. Ah. What, what's news on, on the line? Thank you. And second, I want to say my English is not so good, so... We'll ex I'll accept so. it at least, so since, since I got a little right, Sylvia, as a radio host, I appreciate it. Go ahead, my friend. Yes, I want to ask, I, I suffer from OCD, and I'm a Malamut, a Rebbe in Haida, and uh, it's just <clears throat> impossible. The work is so hard. Uh, it's, it's two years, I'm 23 years old now, and yeah. it's two years uh, after I got a uh, Malamut, and it's just uh, every day is just moirik uh, moirik hard. Yes. And uh, I, yes. When I go to sleep, I I I just I just don't want it should come the next day. Yes. Yes. And my so question true. is. Yes. My question is if. If it's right that I should be a Malamut uh, further in, in the, and I will come back to, uh, I, I go to somebody, a psychologue, yes. and, um, and he, he gave me uh, um, a medication to take. Yes. And, um, and it's, it's now about five months that I take medication, and um, I see a big difference, but... How it's often still, do you, when was the last time you went to the psychiatrist that gave the medication? Uh, last week. Okay, good. And, and he's aware that it's, that it's helping, but not helping enough. Is he aware of that? Yes. Do you he's tell aware him exactly it, yes. what you told me, that you feel like you don't want to wake up the next day because that's how strong the OCD is affecting your life? Yes. Okay, and what did he do? Uh, he, he's in the middle of the beginning. He, he says that, uh, that, um, he's, he's doing for me and, uh... Wait, but did he raise the medication is my question. Sorry? Did he raise the medication last week? Uh, what, what does it mean, raise? Did he raise? Hotter is gehechet. Ah, um, no, he didn't raise, no. Did he say why he's he, not he, raising he, it? I think he's trying to, to he, he thinks that, that now the medication is working, and now he's trying to, to make the exercise the, the... Okay. I'll tell you, I, I won't answer that question, because I feel there's a lot on the therapy level that's needed. I also feel medication-wise it's important. I think we need to find out, are you good? Do you have good references about the psychiatrist that he's good? Yes. Good, good. So now, about how it is as a cheder, as in yeshiva, first I would find out from parents, what was their feedback last year, and what's the feedback now? 
because many times it might be the only manucha that you have is while you're teaching. You might be an excellent Rebbe. So if people would know yes, how... Yes, I, I am. Uh, yes. All fathers, uh, everybody is so so uh, thankful, for, thankful right. for, for me. Yes, so I'm, and, a big uh, believer, I'm a big believer in staying in. If the class is learning and doing well and you're having a difficult time, I'm not a believer in quitting simply because you'll have more time, especially for OCD, you'll have more free time, and free time is one of the worst things for OCD. I am curious what type of therapist he's sending you to, and I am curious about why he didn't raise the medication or give you some other medication. Again, medication, I'm just a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I deal a lot with them, and that's why I asked if you're yeah. happy with it. Understand it could take several months for the medication to be stable and balanced, but I do think uh -huh. that, but I do, I mean, I would speak to the, I have a client that I had to speak to the psychiatrist and ask, why are we not raising the medication, which I felt should be raised, and the psychiatrist explained to me whatever is going on, what they see, and I understand it very clearly. So again, you still need to ask why it's not raised, because it sounds like it should be raised, but if the doctor has a good reason, why not? Now go to a good therapist. Yeah. But if, you're, if it's not only is it not affecting your teaching, but you're being an amazing Rebbe, from my experience, when you have more time on your hands with OCD, it will make it worse instead of better. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you. Just get the right help. Continue going for help. Okay. Yes. We are going to Rivka in Eretzisrael. Rivka, you're on the air with Mordechai. We've got about six minutes left, I'm being told. So let's go ahead and take Hi, the callers. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, thank you for calling in. Um, um, I'm having a really hard time with, like, I don't know, it's like being with so many girls, making fun. Well, let me understand. So you said you're in seminary now, so you've just started seminary? Um, thanks. No, like, two weeks ago. That's just. Yeah, just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a difficulty with making friends? I know, yeah, like, I'm, I, love, I love, whenever I'm in my room, I love it, because we're just six girls. But, like, whenever I have to go downstairs to like the dining room and like, I can see like 91 girls it's just I like close up I can't like start conversations and yeah no let me give you a couple of little tips tip number one you're normal tip number two give it time to feel comfortable in large groups tip number three if you can have one or two friends go down with you when you have your little support system, then you're comfortable all over. So if you sit at a table and you don't know anyone, that's when you might feel lost. Tip number four is for you to recognize that being in a new environment, which is going to clarify the other three, it takes time for our brain to adjust. So I share with many people here that we are on the radio only, which means like just speaking on the phone. And then all of a sudden, we added on a video camera. No one else is in the room, just the video camera. And now we're on Yeshiva World, Lakewood School, you know, Matzav, especially on J-Root. And all of a sudden, just a little camera there. And I was so nervous the week before and that time, the first two, three times. Well, the only thing that changed is a little camera. But after the third week, I was comfortable with it. Here you're going, you're in seminary, you're in a new country, new friends, new place. The brain needs like, like a little safety, needs its little corner. So we feel comfortable in our safety zone. And after a while, what happens is once you're there, you feel comfortable. And then you'll feel the whole dining room will be safe. So the way to build up the safety is first go down with a friend or two. Have your steady seat. Have a friend or cousin that's there with you. And understand that with time, Eretz Hashem, it gets better.
Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't, I don't really come with any friends. So. That's right. So give yourself time. So if you have now those six girls that you're good with your roommates, speak to them. Try to be open. See, Don't even be afraid. Say, you know, I go to the lunchroom and there's 91 girls. I, want, I just feel lost. Can I go with you or can we go somewhere together? Sam is time. Like, do you think I should give up? Another four weeks. If you've adjusted okay, with you your what? What? That's little, by the way. I'm pushing it, saying four weeks. Oh. <laughs> How long do you think it took me to get comfortable being on the radio week after week? No, three weeks. Yeah, probably four months. Try something along those lines. I remember, I think it was like program number 18 when I was on saying, okay, I'm not nervous before. I could come 10 minutes before and still be relaxed. Now, I am experienced, Baruch Hashem. I have a lot of of strong support systems for me and all that stuff. But new experiences are still new experiences. Allow it. The problem that I find, not problem, the issue I find with so many teenagers and people are starting businesses is, we quit way too early. That's normal. So when I'm telling you four weeks, I'm thinking the shortest version. But go ahead, give yourself four weeks. All right? And I'll tell you, if you are successful in four weeks or less, you feel comfortable going down there, even on your own, call us up. Call back. Because a lot of people listen and feedback. When we get positive results that work, it just encourages people. All right? Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So we've got about a minute left, and I'm instead of taking callers, I apologize to Chaya that you're waiting on line three for a long time. And for those that are calling in, I just want to sort of finish off with a little bit of a bracha. May we all be zeichet to have a ksiva v'chasima taiva, a sweet, happy, healthy year. A year that all our kaychas, that whatever the Rabbi Shalom believes in us, should be brought out. Whether it's easy, whether it's gentle, we should continue the process as difficult as it is to go through it, the only way to get over it, or I say the easiest way to get over it, is to go through it. May we be zeichet to find happiness, shalom bayis, arzivugim, health. May we also think about those people, those yidin that are from people that are in hospitals, people that are going through difficulties, people that everyone thinks is going successful and no one knows what's really going in. May we daven for them and the Rabbein Shalom send them siyata de Shemaya and help. May we be zeichel for the ultimate geulah, which is Mashiach Tzidkenu, the one person that will help us to help Klai Yisrael and protect Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael in America, wherever we are. May we be zeichel to have refuas, yeshuas, nechamas, and to have achtas within Klai Yisrael, and ultimately just to have the geulah shleim that we can be together with the Rabbein Shleilam. May we all be zeichel to be together next year and the following years together, healthy, and all together, Amen. Thank you all for listening and thank you for this magnificent, wonderful year together. Johnny Moe
סימאים רבים בגלים באים לא יוכלו לכבות את האהבה שלי אני קורא שבא רק הוא